Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Are you looking at your messy house or a pile of laundry right now and you need some inspiration? Or maybe you're wondering what to do for fun this weekend after you finish your chores. This hour, I'm talking with two guests who have you covered. They're my newest power pair, and let me introduce you to them. Patrick Richardson is the owner of Mona Williams, a store out at Mall of America that specializes in vintage designer clothing. And he's also known as The Laundry Guy. Maybe you've seen him on HGTV. He wrote a book called Laundry Love, Finding Joy in a Common Chore, and he has a new book called House Love. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. Hi. Hello. Next to Patrick is his partner, Ross Rayla. Ross is the Pioneer Press pop music critic and entertainment writer. This year, he marks his 20th anniversary of reviewing Twin Cities concerts. Hi, Ross. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Hi. Well, Patrick and Ross, again, are here in the studio with me, and it is uh, great to meet you. And want to, again, remind people, if you listen to the show regularly, you may know that, that last year I started a new series called Power Pairs because I, I wanted to talk to, to two people who Minnesotans may know but maybe didn't know that they have a close relationship. It could be a couple, a parent, child, duo, siblings, or best friends. And we have found when we sit people down together, we get to see them through a, a fresh lens. So Ross and Patrick, you have been a couple for 19 years. Very impressive. You just shared with me that today is the 19th anniversary of your first date. So congratulations. Right. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. So I like to ask couples uh, in romantic relationships, how has your relationship made each of you better? Patrick, do you think Ross makes you better? Oh, I absolutely Ross makes <laughs> me better. I mean, just in every possible way. I mean, I um, Ross encourages me. He... Pushes me forward. In fact, when early on, uh, maybe a year or two into our relationship, he told me that I should write a book. And, you know, it took a couple of years, but it's uh, here we are Came on book be, two. Right? Yeah. So that encouragement and can see you in maybe ways you don't see yourself. Right. And sees things that, I mean, saw something that I didn't see. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw like, I mean, he told me at the time, he said, you have these great stories and they should be a book. And, you know, I would have never even considered it. And several years later, you know, we're Did second you? book in. That's right. Yeah. I want a Ross. Y- you know what? Everybody I have should a have a Ross. I have you a, have. I have a version of a Ross. <laughs> and so, uh, Ross, how do you feel um, Patrick has made you better? Um, uh, Patrick taught me kindness. He's um, one of the nicest, like genuinely nicest, like sort of kind, non judgmental people I know. And yeah, that's a lot. We need kindness, right? Yeah. And what can kindness, what have you found kindness has done for you having that consistent source of kindness in your life? Um, I think it's made me a better person. It's it made me a nicer person. Um, we'll get into that. Like you're like, I need to do something. <laughs> Why don't you need someone to help you be nice? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Finnish Minnesotan, so I, I need a little warmth. Mm, I see. I see. And so... When you think about what you appreciate about each other, um, it sounds like there are a lot of qualities there. Um, and so uh, sitting here today, again, it sounds like you're saying you all helped each other make your dreams come true because you've had some really you know, impressive careers. Right. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Ross and I, like, I mean, I definitely know that I've gone farther because, I mean, it's fun when you live with a pop music critic and, you know, you're talking about someone who, like, 
you know, Taylor Swift or something, and you're seeing the possibilities, you know, mm-hmm. and that's sort of fun. And it's also fun to just have we have constant we constantly have things to talk about because you know our lives kind of have a sort of a pop media element to them mm-hmm. which is you know it's fun our dinner conversations are always unique <laughs> as i talk with my first power pair of 2024 i want to hear from you too our listeners the phone lines are open you can call us what do you want to ask patrick richardson the laundry guy or ross rayla the pop music critic at the pioneer press do you have questions about laundry house chores music music stars uh questions about maintaining a relationship you can join the conversation by calling us at 651 651- Two two seven six thousand. Again, that number is six five one two two seven six thousand, or call eight hundred two four two. 2828. Uh, for our listeners, a little bit more about Patrick. I mentioned uh, he's the author of the book Laundry Love, Finding Joy in a Common Chore. Uh, it's about fashion, textiles, and the care of clothing full of tips uh, from the popular popular laundry camps that he has offered out at Mall of America. And Patrick also hosted a, a show called The Laundry Guy on HGTV in 2021 and now is out with a new book called House Love. So uh, a lot of questions here. How does, how does one become a Laundry expert. <laughs> this seems well, very unique to me. It is very unique. But, you know, I love laundry. I, I loved laundry when I was a very young kid. One of my earliest memories in Kentucky was handing clothespins to my granny Aww. to put clothes on the clothesline. And I loved laundry enough that when I was three, Santa brought me a toy washing machine. Uh, how big was it? It was like did, child size. Did it work? But you could put water in it and it had a little crank on the side and it would work. I missed out. I had the Easy Bake Oven. I didn't know oh, anything about the mm-hmm. washing machine. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was sort of the laundry version of the Easy Bake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're living in Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how did you fall in love with clothes and laundry? I mean, you, you I just your grandmother. I, I just love clothes. I mean, I come from like generations of people who love clothes. I mean, my granny loved clothes. My mom loved clothes. My dad loved clothes. You know, we were clothes people. Uh, I write in the book that, you know, other people on the weekend went hiking. We went shopping. So, you know, I just came from a long generation of people who love clothes. And I think because I get so sentimental about everything, I never wanted the clothes to end. So I think that's how I got interested in the care. And then how do you learn? Like, where does your expertise come from, especially with stains? Because you say people can't get enough of learning about how to get out of stains. Well, I studied textiles at the University of Kentucky. So I have that. But then, you know, once you kind of understand what a textile is and you understand what a stain is, you can figure out how to make it go away. Like you can figure out the qualities the fabric has, the qualities the stain has. So a lot of it's been trial and error. So I guess I'm an amateur chemist. Mm -hmm. And Ross, have you been amazed by, uh, A, his expertise with laundry, but also the interest that other people have in laundry? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> the the thing is, Patrick has got a very great personality. He's a really great person. So it doesn't surprise me that people have sort of latched onto him. But man, it never fails to amaze me how everyone has a stain they want to talk about. <laughs> and everywhere. I mean, we'll be out to dinner and someone will come up and be like, oh, are you the laundry guy? Oh, and then, oh, I, I have this thing on my couch and how do I get it out? And Right. And so what is it like, um, you know, being out with him sometimes and people do recognize him and want to ask photo oh, or I ask questions and take photos too? I love it. And, and Patrick is very uh, reserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like literally every day I'm like, did you have any fans come into the store? <laughs> did you get recognized? Oh, did you, anyone see, no, notice you at the airport? 
and he'll never ever offer it up. I but <laughs> I I eat it up. I want to hear every single. You're proud. You're like that's my man. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So um, you've gotten, Patrick, a lot of attention uh, for your approach to caring for clothes and how to do laundry. The Wall Street Journal did a story about you, uh, the laundry camps uh, that you that you lead in 2018. What's a laundry camp? Laundry camp is a two-hour sort of immersive where I take you through the entire laundry process and tell you how to wash everything you own. Because, you know, my rule for dry clean only is dry clean never. So Ooh. I tell you how to wash every single thing you own. You can save me some money. Yeah, tons of money. And, you know, then you can buy more clothes with it. So, um, <gasps> you know, right? <laughs> no, it's shoes. So it's a two-hour class that tells you how to wash everything you own. And, you know, so you've been on national news programs, uh, particularly after the Washington, the Wall Street Journal, I should say, did a story about your laundry camps. Then you wrote the book Laundry Love, uh, full of stories and tips for caring for clothes. Uh, why do you find that people care so much about laundry? What have they said to you? I think it's twofold. I think there are people who just want the practical, I want my clothes to last as long as possible. But the thing that I get so often and the thing that I absolutely love is my grandmother made this for my son and I want to preserve it mm. in a stain. So mm-hmm. I love the sentimental things, you know, and I, and anytime anybody says grandmother, I mean, I am in because I loved my granny so very much. He did. I mean, I talk about got- her all the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, those are the things I love. So we get twofold. You know, the people who just want to take care of their clothes because for practical reasons. But then, you know, I people have that sentimental thing. And, you know, I get those emails at least once a day. And more about you, Ross. You started at the Pioneer Press back in 2004 after covering music at newspapers in Fargo and in Washington State. Thousands of people uh, read the reviews of uh, Twin Cities concerts and have they followed your live concert tweets over the years. Um, you also write about theater and other arts and entertainment. That sounds like such a cool job. Uh, but how do you describe your job as a concert critic? Because got, there's got to be some parts of it that are really difficult as well. Well, one thing I think people don't realize, I think people think like, oh, your job is great. You just go to a concert, you yeah. have fun, you it's get what drunk I feel, or whatever. It's what I think, and then you go home. <laughs> and the thing is, when I go to a concert, I'm I'm filing on deadline. I'm writing I, – I file the review before I leave the venue. So I don't I don't have drinks. Um, I'm pretty much just focused. You're working. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, – you know, even people will be like, oh, you know, let me get you a drink before the show. And I'm like, I'd love to, but, you know, let's do it after. Right. And and are you also studying the response of the audience? So you're looking at the oh, performance and you're looking yeah. at how it's being received? Yeah. And right. one thing about concerts, which Patrick, I'm sure, can tell you, is I'm so focused on what I'm doing. I don't really like to eat a lot. I always try to park in the same spot. So that's one thing I don't have to worry about is where's my car. Mm-hmm. Once we get to the concert, I'm at my laptop, I'm focused on what I'm doing and I'm not a very fun date. <laughs> right. I'm a concert widow when so, we're there. Cause when if go? I go, yeah, I mean, we don't talk. The one thing I'm going to say though, about your reviews that I didn't know until Matt Ross. And it's one of the reasons that I love Ross as a critic. You don't say I loved the concert. I hate the concert. Like I love the artist. I hate the artist. Your point of view is if you're a fan of that person and you bought that ticket, did you get what you paid for? Mm. And I think that that is a very special skill because I think that if I went to a concert and, you know, it's somebody that I love, you know, like Barry Manilow, then, you know, I'm going <laughs> to love the concert. But if it's somebody I don't like, then I wouldn't write a good review. I mean, what I learned from Ross is 
Ross reviews the concert from the point of view of 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 it's, the fan, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. I think that's not as easy as you know as I would have ever thought it would have been. Well, um, I'm Ross. I know that you stepped into some controversy with one of your reviews uh, back in 2022. You went to see um, uh, Bon Jovi perform at the X, uh, and here's what here's what you wrote: uh, "Quote Sunday show delivered pretty much everything you'd want from a Bon Jovi concert, with one major exception: some shockingly poor vocals from John Bon Jovi." Um, Bon Jovi didn't just miss a note here or there. He struggled throughout the two-plus-hour show. Nothing from his past suggested such a sudden decline was coming. Ooh-wee. So how was the reaction to that? I I heard from a few people. (laughs) Um, You know, the thing is, the one thing I've always tried to do in concert reviewing is just sort of be honest and and I, right. I'm not sugarcoating anything, and and uh, I've I'm not a Bon Jovi fan, um, but I've seen Bon Jovi maybe a half dozen times, and it was always like for what it was, it was a good show, and in 2022, uh, like a song or two in, I'm like, wait, am I am I hearing things wrong? Because his his voice was so terrible, and I I, I ended up writing that i just couldn't believe but it's a review it's an opinion it's what you see and feel oh, yeah, in the moment yeah. right so what else could but, you write but yeah the um as it turns out it was just a short tour it was sort of like a post pandemic let's get back on the road thing mm-hmm. there was no new album or anything but mine was one of several reviews that said hey john bon jovi can't sing anymore and uh it got national press and at some point i saw some tabloid supposedly say that John Bon Jovi's been rattled by these reviews and he's never going to tour again and mm. but yeah that's, that not your, that's not your intent you're, again you're writing oh, no, for no. the fans well and, and I'm, who- I'm writing for people people think like I'm reviewing a concert for the people who were there I'm reviewing a concert for people who weren't there mm-hmm. um, for people who because we want to know what do we miss exactly that's exactly it mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who just they're never going to go see a John Bon Jovi, but they're like, I'd like to know what, you know, drew 20, uh, 12,000 people to the X last night. Mm-hmm. You grew up, uh, Ross, in Cloquet, Minnesota. How did you become interested in music? Were you interested as a child? I grew up in a house of teenagers um, with a sister 10 years older, brother 13, and a sister 15 years older. So I, um, at a very young age, somehow uh, got really into music and I, this is secondhand memory. I don't remember any of this, but I apparently had a wagon that had a little platform on it. And I would take my sister's 45s and walk around and sing like, yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. <laughs> and it was called my record wagon. And yeah. So so that's something you have in common. As, as young kids, you both mm-hmm. kind of knew. We were both weirdos. We were, <laughs> I would never say that. You were both sort of like identifying your purpose and passion, right? Right. I mean, right. it's funny, you know. I mean, you know, show me, what is it? Show me a child of five and I'll show you the man. Wasn't exactly. that? Yeah, wasn't that it? Yeah. And so uh, today, the anniversary of your first date, 19 mm-hmm. years, what was that first date like? Were you discovering already some things you had in common? Um, yeah. I mean, we kind of. I mean, the first date ran for like several hours. Um, That's always a sign. Yeah, you know what? It, and um, it was, and the food was good. I remember. Anyway, it. Um, 
yeah, I think, you know, even on our first day, we recognized um, an interest in, like, sort of the arts, Mm -hmm. you know, because I also love theater a lot. And I remember on our first day talking quite a bit about theater, which, you know, is music adjacent. Mm-hmm. But how did you meet? Did someone set you up, or did you see each other? We lived in the same apartment building. Okay, so we we've been kind of eyeballing each other right. for a while in the apartment building, coming uh-huh. and going. And okay. um, the they they had like a a night guard slash coach uh, concierge, sure. And I one night was like, you know, tell me about this guy. And he's like, well, I I can't tell you. And I'm like, well. Will you tell him I'm interested? It was like it was like being in high school. Like, <laughs> it's like the telephone game. Right. And then and then what happened? Did and he then, did he tell? And then the concierge told me, and I was like, oh really? And he told me all about Ross, and I was like, oh interesting. And then a couple of days later, I saw you, and uh, we had a pre date. We had what we called the pre date because we chatted for like two hours, but Ross had to work that night, mm-hmm. so we couldn't go to. I mean, because we would have probably gone to dinner like right then. And so, I had gone to Costco that day. You had because you offered me a toothbrush and some Tootsie Rolls. Oh, see, I you mean, can't come back from that. You know what? I mean, when you <laughs> offer romance, right when here. you offer when you offer gifts up right off the bat. I mean, Tootsie Roll candy and then a toothbrush to resolve the candy. So, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. I want to let uh, our listeners know if you're just joining us. Uh, I'm talking with our first power pair of 2024, and I want to hear from you too. The phone lines are open. You can join this conversation. What do you want to ask Patrick Richardson, uh, the laundry guy, or Ross Rayla, the pop music critic at the Pioneer Press? They've been partners for 19 years. Do you have questions about laundry, pop music, pop stars, or maintaining a relationship? You can call us at 651 227 thousand or 800-242-2828. We've got some listeners on hold right now. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Patrick and Ross uh, in St. Louis Park. Susan is on the phone. Susan, thank you for calling in and holding on. What did you want to ask or share? Well, good morning, everyone. Hi. What a treat to have these two. That's how I feel. Um, I know, right? So what I'm what I would like to know is because they are both public figures and they both get recognized out in public and they have very um, tight groups of friends. How do your groups of friends mesh? Mm. So are you in a power couple Do you or a power pair, right? Do you mm-hmm. have his friends and his friends? Do you go, oh, we're doing, we just did stuff with your friends. It's my turn to do stuff with my friends. Because, yeah, I bet they're popular. I bet they get invited to a lot of things, Susan. I bet they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Patrick, uh, thank you, Susan. Great question. Uh, how do you handle the, the friend circle? And maybe what was the friend circle like when you first got together? Well, it was funny. I have a great story about the friend circle. Mm-hmm. Um, on our third date. Oh, um, this is good. The, I met Ross, some of Ross's friends because they were traveling through town. I mean, it was a little early in the relationship, but they were traveling through town. So we went to dinner. We go back to Mancini's. Ross, went to Mancini's, oh, which has yeah. stayed in our relationship. So we go back to Ross's apartment, and you know, all the friends are there, and you know, they're all trying to get to know me, of course, because they're Ross's friends. Two of his friends pull me aside and say, "What are your intentions with Ross? We really like Ross." We wouldn't want anyone to hurt Ross. It was almost like I was being interviewed by the mob. Um, I mean, they were, and it, it, it was sort of jarring, but then I stopped and thought, okay, if they like him this much, 
he must be pretty great. If they're protective. If they're that protective, yeah. mm-hmm. the very first time I meet them. And then, you know, as far as our friends, we have the same – we're both very diverse. I mean, our friends have kind of a very diverse group. So when we're lucky enough that my friends and Ross's friends get to be together, like at a party or something, I mean, they all just sort of end up meeting and mm-hmm. – I hope they're all friends now. So today, that it's not an issue. You kind of have the same friends, and there's not a lot of... Um, we have like a common group, a shared group of friends, and then Patrick has a group, and I have a group. Right. I still have my fashion-y friends, and you know, I mean, but but when they get together, they have a good time together. I mean, right. we may not all mesh at once, but when they get together, I think they're all going to have fun together. And so, Wes, what are your memories of meeting the, the, laundry, the laundry guy's friends? Or <laughs> or was he, well, you weren't the laundry guy maybe back then. I wasn't the laundry guy yet. Yeah, you, yeah. you were doing work I was, in... I, worked, I managed designer apparel. I bought right. and managed designer apparel. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll tell you about meeting Patrick's friends is that they all love him. And, like, let's say we're out and we'll run into someone Patrick hasn't seen in years. They act like they, you know, are meeting the greatest person in the world and they'll hug him and be like, Oh, what have you been up to? I miss you so much. People love Patrick. Mm. People don't necessarily love me like that. I don't know. I don't know. I think people like you quite a bit. <laughs> Let's take another phone call uh, from a listener again, talking with uh, Ross Rayla, uh, the pioneer press pop critic and, pop music critic and Patrick Richardson, the owner of Mona Williams, a store out at Mall of America that specializes in vintage designer clothing and where he hosts uh, Laundry Camp. Also, you may know him as the Laundry Guy on HDTV and as the author of Laundry Love. Uh, 651-227-6000, the number to call, or 800-242-2828. In Mendota Heights, Karen wants to talk to you guys. Karen, what is your question? Thanks for calling in. Sure. First off, congratulations, Sue Patrick and Ross, on 19 years on their first date. Mm -hmm. And I just want to preface saying I'm the laundry queen in my family and that everyone brings me their stains. And I've been good until I read your book, your first book, (laughs) Patrick. I have lots to learn. So thank you on that. Um, But another thing is that about 10 days ago, my sister, bless her heart, she brought a sweater to you that I have not told my son yet, I shrunk. It was a blue um, sweater, wool sweater from Ireland, and you gave her instructions on what to do. I followed those to the T, I think, I hope, but I only gained about an inch. What else can I do before I chuck? I, I don't want to, my son even, in fact, just asked me if I was still wearing the sweater. I lied. But help. Oh, I'm sorry, Karen. <laughs> well, I mean, I would just repeat the process because I remember the sweater. And the trick is, you know, you soak it with some hair conditioner and then you lay it on a towel and block it out. You may just have to repeat it. Um, it may take a couple of tries. The other thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have access to a steamer, you can sometimes steam it and actually stretch it as you steam it. It's called blocking. And finally, if nothing else works, bring them in this store. We'll figure it out. Wow. Oh, so, thank you so much. Wow. You're, that's very accessible. I did not know all of these tricks. So uh, yeah. I want to, I know we mentioned the book Laundry Love. Tell me more about what's in Laundry Love. Laundry Love will tell you how to wash everything you own, but it'll tell you all of these fun little things like how to restore a sweater if it, if it felt, which is what happened to hers. You soak it in a basin of really hot water with some hair conditioner or some olive oil. 
And then after you let it sit like overnight, you take it out, lay it on a towel, sopping wet and start massaging it back into place. Um, Paul McCartney told me not to name drop, but um, Kelly Rippa did this on her show. And she was like, oh, it was Steve Patterson. Steve at, you uh, know, and on my talk. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It was Steve Patterson's sweater. And Kelly, you know, was trying to get it back to shape. And she had a couple of missteps, but, you know, she got it there. So there's a lot that we don't know. Folks, this is not like common knowledge, some of these uh, tricks and, and yeah, things. Yeah, some of them are like really professional. I mean, that's something that a dry cleaner would know how to oh, do. I didn't know that. It's um, just I'm doing it, you know, making it so you can do it at home. And so um, this new book, House Love, which I mentioned, the full name of House Love, which just came out, uh, A Joyful Guide to Cleaning, Organizing, and Loving the Home You're In. Now, what planet is this taking place on? Now, come on. <laughs> a you joyful guide to cleaning, organizing, and loving the <clears throat> home you're in. Tell me about House Love. So House Love <laughs> was the is definitely the follow to Laundry Love because the idea was you'd already built this kit to take care of your laundry. Now let's take the kit and clean your whole house. Mm-hmm. Um, in both of these things, I think they're both all about love. I think you do laundry for people that you love, and I think you take care of the house because people that you love are in it or come mm-hmm. to visit it. So – it's really reframing your mindset, you know, not being like, oh, my God, this is such a chore being like, you know, I'm privileged that I have this house and I have all this great stuff and I want to clean it because I I think it's it's fun to get to touch your stuff. And the fun thing about cleaning is you get to touch your stuff, you know, and you get to remember. I love that, mm-hmm. you know, and this is my space. Yeah. And so, home. you know, it's just it's fun. Ross, actually, it has at the end of every chapter, there's a playlist so to 10 minutes to clean your living room and there's a playlist and Ross, I'm going to say helped. He pretty much wrote them. Um, <laughs> he sort of kind of pulled them together. So, so who, who cleans your house? Um, we do. Although, you know, we're looking for a housekeeper, but we do. <laughs> Ross, who cleans your house? Oh, we, we both do. We do. You both each other. I, uh, I am holding the book in my hands and I'm reading the dedication. I think mm-hmm. it's called. It says, uh, to my dad, who taught me the bones of a house, to my mom, who taught me the beauty of a house, and to Ross, who taught me home. When you read that, Ross. You know, it's funny. Um, I, Patrick is always, uh, well, with both books, has been very sort of protective about the acknowledgments and the dedication. And, and we got the first copy of the book and I I didn't read it. I, I feel like maybe you remember the story better, but I feel like I didn't even realize until a week later, two weeks later. Yeah. um, Actually it was a couple weeks later, the press copies had started going out and somebody messaged us and said, messaged both of us and said, I love the way you talk about Ross and that was when oh, you read it. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine some people are listening and like, goals, goals. <laughs> These are goals, right? Well, you know, 19 years in and you're still crazy about the other person. I mean, that is the goal, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be one of those people who's like, yeah, that's just too much trouble there. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think in another 19 years, hopefully we're exactly the same way. All right. I, I will say that. The one thing uh, I have a a couple I know, Jim and Amy, uh, they live in D.C. They're my ideal couple because they love each other, but they also like each other. Which is important because you have to spend time together. Exactly. (laughs) All right. But before we take a news break, let's take one more call. Uh, In Edina, this is Paul on the line. And Paul, what did you want to share or ask as we talk with our power pair today? 
Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Paul Thompson, Indy Diner. Uh, Patrick, I saw you last night at uh, Morningside After Dark, and I was so inspired by your your reading and talking about taking care of the home is a little bit like taking care of our planet and how you made the link with sustainability. You know, with I grew up with a mom who used to hang sheets outside, so we never use the dryer. We save a ton of energy, and it's more fun. So uh, tell me more about that. Well, I will tell you, as far as sustainability, you know, that's something I, I've always been interested in sustainability because I, you know, love sort of, as you learn in both books, I love Kentucky and where I grew up, and I want to take care of it. But I'll be very honest, I got more interested in sustainability after book one when I started really seeing sort of the positive impact we could make. And, you know, hanging the sheets on the clothesline is the perfect example. It uses less energy. And quite frankly, I mean, your sheets smell like heaven. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten more interested in sustainability as I've learned more about chemicals, which I learned in writing Laundry Love about the things that are in laundry products. And um, I've just gotten more interested in, like, taking care of the earth. You know, I mean, we only have one. So it's not one of those things that we can sort of renew. So I hope that that my love of sort of just taking care of the environment comes through in both books, but especially the second. All right. I want to go way back, uh, back when uh, the two of you were younger. We talked about the the toy washing machine that you received, Patrick, as a child. Uh, Ross, you talked about uh, having a little wagon and you had uh, uh, albums that your older siblings uh, that you used to throw in there and you always listened to the music that they were listening to. Um, but I want to know what it was like for each of you uh, to come out as gay. Uh, uh, Ross, you grew up in Cloquet, Minnesota. What was that like uh, when you were growing up and, and, and sharing that with your family and friends? You know, I I like to tell people I I knew I was gay like at a very young age, like four or five. And I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that I wasn't like everyone else. And, you know, when I got into my teens, I sort of realized like, oh, OK, that's what this means. But uh, we both grew up in the 80s, and uh, HIV-AIDS was a, a health crisis. Mm -hmm. And as it, at the time, uh, it, it, there was this feeling that uh, gay people uh, kind of deserve it. And that was a pretty mainstream thing. And so I, I, I as a teenager, I was like... I okay, I'm gay, but I can never really tell anyone. So I'm just going to have this sort of second life and then in the public be, you know, just straight like everyone else. Um, but by the time I was in college, uh, I kind of realized that the way to uh, fight homophobia, uh, which was rampant at the time and uh, still is to some point today, but a lot of people would be like, well, I don't know any gay people. So I, I kind of decided, like, I need to come out and be super gay because, you know, so people who know me, anyone I meet can't say, like, well, I don't know any gay people. Mm -hmm. I, I really felt that visibility was a big deal. And uh, when I was uh, in my 20s, I was very, very, very militant about it. As I recently told Patrick, I kept a list of people I came out to. Which so that, is very so that much you knew, so you knew who you could talk to very openly about, or just why? Why'd you keep a list? Because uh, I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you see today when we hear um, about you know how 
particularly teenagers and young adults, uh, what they're facing um, when they identify as being part of the LGBTQ community? What do you see? What's changed? Uh, well, uh, to be honest, um, when uh, marriage equality happened, I was shocked. I mean, I think Patrick would agree. I didn't necessarily see that happening in our lifetime. But when it did, and it it was this thing like, oh, well, millennials just don't care. And millennials are this huge voting block. So, I mean, it's it wasn't like out of pure goodness that it happened. It was a political thing. But when that happened, it, it really um, surprised me. And then, but over the last few years, the sort of backlash uh, has not surprised me either. It, and and people who don't like queer people are now going after trans kids as a way to demonize all queer people. Mm-hmm. And that's very disheartening. It me. is. It is. And there's so much disinformation about, mm-hmm. and it's about trans. It's about trans people, but specifically trans kids. How were your older siblings and your parents? How did they respond to um, the news when you shared it with them? How do you describe? Well, it's that? funny. It's funny you ask that because uh, when I came out at 21, I, as I said, I was super out, but I didn't really come out to my family. I didn't lie to them. I didn't pretend to have a girlfriend. But I just, just didn't talk about it. Yeah, we just didn't talk about it. Um, and at one point, I was dating someone, and I it was my mid twenties, and I felt like maybe now's the time. And my brother died, uh, and my dad pulled me aside and he said, "Well, now that your brother's dead, uh, you need to get married and have kids." And I was like, "Oh, well, I guess this isn't probably the right time to come out." And um, my coming out was when I met Patrick. We had been together a couple months, mm-hmm. and we drove up to Cloquet, and <laughs> I guess he's coming to dinner, Dad. Yeah, and, and and my parents immediately loved him. I I mean, my mom my mom died ten years ago, but I think my mom liked you, Patrick, better. That than was me. the favorite mm-hmm. of the children. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, Patrick, your story—you're growing up in Kentucky. I told you I lived in Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. for two years. Right. So I know some of the that state. What was your experience as as a young boy, a man growing up in Kentucky? I was so flamboyant, even as a very young child. I can't imagine that it was much of a shock. Um, like I used to say, I was never in. I was just sort of always <laughs> out because I was just such a flamboyant child. <laughs> But I really, really decided when I went to college that I was going to be very, very open. So when I left, where did you go to college? I went to the University of Kentucky in Lexington. And you know that Lexington, like Lexington, is we're very lucky. It's sort of this little gay hub in a pretty conservative area, but it's very, you know, very out. In fact, I think it was just named one of the most out cities in the U.S. but, you know, what I decided when I went to college, and to me, much like Ross, representation mattered. And so when I came out, I was going to come out. And I never really shied away from it, you know, with my coworkers, with my professors, with other students, because I wanted to be that person that other people could be like, well, if he did it, you know, I can do it. And I probably talked to a lot of my friends through Mm-hmm. They're coming out process. Again, the representation matters. All right, let's take some phone calls from listeners as we talk with uh, <clears throat> Ross Rayla, the uh, Pioneer Press pop music critic, as well as Patrick Richardson, uh, the laundry guy. Uh, in Minneapolis, Josh is on the phone. Good morning, Josh. What did you want to ask or share? 
Yeah, I also moved to Minnesota from Kentucky and have loved hearing a fellow Kentuckian <laughs> talk with such fondness about Kentucky and love hearing the Southern accent, too. <laughs> <laughs> I moved to Minnesota and have always loved the beauty and actually moved here sort of for the safety of getting away from the South, which had felt less and less safe over recent years. And I wondered what brought uh, Patrick from Minnesota to Minnesota from Kentucky. Yeah. How did you land here? <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I have the funniest answer in the world. It was too hot. Kentucky was too hot. I... It was the end. It was the middle of summer, and I drove a Saab, which is like driving, you know, a fishbowl. <laughs> and um, my trunk latch wouldn't open, and I had to climb through my car to do my very final presentation at the University of Kentucky. And I decided that day I am moving. It's too hot. <laughs> I went home, went on Priceline, found a city. I was looking at Seattle, Minneapolis, and Buffalo, New York. Found which tick, which place I could go to first for a hundred dollars so that I could look around. And it was on a Tuesday. That Friday, I flew to Minneapolis. I called ahead and set up interviews with a few stores. Flew to Minneapolis, flew home, and three weeks later, I lived here. That it was too hot. Quite a story. I mean, it's hot. And you, I mean, I'm from Southern Virginia, so it was very similar right. to the climate. But you wanted little. I, you just didn't want to be hot and sweaty. I just didn't want to be hot. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care how cold it was. I just didn't want to be hot. Okay. Um, and uh, let's take another phone call. This is Jane, who's on the line. Good morning, Jane. What did you want to ask or share as we talk with Ross and Patrick? Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, Patrick, I just want to say I just finished your second book. I read it in two days. My husband got it for me for my birthday. Oh, wow. This and is it was uh, just, House Love. Yes, okay. House Love. And mm-hmm. it was so fun to read. And now he thinks I'm absolutely out of my mind because I've thrown every cleaner that we have that has chemicals in it out. And um, I'm now, so, and I just, I love the appreciation you have for sustainability. I just don't think, I mean, we're maybe a little late to the game, all of us, but the fact that we don't take it more seriously um, in our cleaning, in our foods, everything just, you know, it's, it's a little frightening the more I read about sustainable farming and chemicals that are put into the ground is just... Very frightening. So I'm going to do my best at 65, almost, to, uh, you know, to do my part. And I think that if everybody did that, it would be a better place. So I really appreciate the fact that you um, support that and write about it in your book. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thanks. First of all, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Get in the book. But, yeah, you know, I mean, if we all just made a couple of little changes, what a dramatic difference it would make so quickly. And, you know, household cleaning, you can do with such safe things. Mm-hmm. So, like natural things, you mentioned, I, I mean, a couple that I know of, I guess, growing up, um, things you should have in your house. Baking soda? Absolutely. Love baking soda. And what can, what can baking soda do? Oh, you can scrub with it. Like, it's the if you sprinkle baking soda on the half of a lemon, you can scrub your sink. Um, baking soda will take out stains. Also with a lemon. If you get red wine on something, you can pour baking soda on it and squeeze a lemon. It'll sort of foam up, and then you can just toss it in the washer. Um, you can use baking soda to boost the cleaning power of your laundry. Um, you can pour baking soda down your drains. Mm-hmm. Baking soda is great to clean your garbage disposal. You can pour baking soda in and turn it on. Love baking soda. Vinegar. Oh, my could you love anything more than you love vinegar? <laughs> but the the the, the white vinegar. The... Yeah, like cheap white vinegar. Yeah, yeah it's great. I mean, it, vinegar will clean almost everything except your stone countertops. That's the one thing you can't clean with vinegar. And then vodka. And vodka is what you <laughs> I use saw to this clean in your, your, in your right, notes. You use 
vodka to clean your stone countertops. Vodka removes the odor from anything. You can spray it in sneakers. What? You can spray it on sports equipment. Yeah. And the fun thing about vodka is when it dries, it's odorless and colorless. So you can spray vodka on sneakers or like sports equipment or something. It'll kill the odor. And then when it dries, it completely disappears. Vodka is also very antibacterial. So it's great to clean like your cutting boards and stuff. It, it's crazy. You've I mean, I, I saw your, I saw your face. I, but it it really it's the truth. You've it, witnessed this. Okay. Yes. Um I have a music question for you, Ross. Um can we talk about uh concert tickets? Do you think that they have the the prices? Um they've gotten so expensive. What do you yeah. see there? What's is it ever gonna get better for oh, us? Oh, is it gonna get better? Uh, no, it's not. Um when the legislature made scalping legal uh, that is the big reason concert tickets have gone up so much because scalpers made so much money. Artists started to feel like, well, I want that money that is mm-hmm. going to someone. It's up there. And so it's it's uh, brought ticket prices up and up and up. The the there is still ways uh, if you're very vigilant to get a, a relatively cheap concert ticket for a big show, but um, yeah, I. People paying thousands of dollars to see a concert is mind-blowing to me. But it's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's happening. Okay. Let's uh, take a phone call uh, in Minneapolis. This is John who's on the phone. Hi, John. Hi. Um, Hi. This question is for Ross. And uh, I read your review of the Luke Bryan concert. I know you got a lot (laughs) of press about that negative review. And I'm curious how often you hear from uh, the artist as to your review, whether it's good or bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just to fill people in. What I, happened with you and Luke I, Bryan? I, I've reviewed Luke Bryan many times over the years. I've seen uh, many shows. And, and he was always, for what he is, uh, he was pretty good. And he was here last uh, year. And it, the show was just very – he was – kind of tired and it just wasn't into it. It was very clear that he it was, felt like he was sort of mailing it in. Yeah. That's and, what you felt. And so I think it was like, I think it was a Saturday night. The review ran Sunday. A couple days later, I wake up and look at my phone and there's a alert, a Twitter alert that Luke Bryan responded to the review and was yelling at me basically. And I, I had that moment of like, I need to look to make sure this is actually Luke Bryan. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, and it turned out to be, uh, uh, and it got national press. But uh, that said, it's very rare to hear back from an artist. What did he say? Did he say he defended or did he say uh, I, I was tired or did he say like he he was like Ross, you meanie pants. What did he uh, say? Well, no, he was like, oh, he was like, y'all have never given me a good review. And I actually mm. responded. That's why I got pressed, because I responded and said, well, actually, Luke Bryan, here's where the first year your uh, first album came out. I picked you as one of the artists to watch that year and here are all the reviews i've written that were very glowing of you and uh you had the receipts they were happy yes yes (laughs) um i'm just gonna call out my friend Gigi, who calls me receipt ross because (laughs) i have receipts and that's surprise okay um uh, another phone call before we run out of time in rochester this is uh mun on the phone good morning what did you want to ask or share hi um Sorry, I got really nervous for a second. It's okay. Um, I'm a young queer person, and just listening to the show like is really, really inspiring. I think to see how like both the interviewees like choose joy and like uh, and they choose joy in a lot of different ways. And I'm most interested in like is how do you guys like craft your playlists? I heard you guys talking about that earlier, and I want to know like oh, in the there, book, like, in the new book, they has, there's a playlist in the new book. So there's yeah. like ten minutes. 
playlists um, for every chapter. So mm-hmm. I want to know, like, what kind of things do you guys look for as you, like, crafted those playlists? Like, what kind of themes, what kind of, like, just, like, ideas, feelings, stories? I, I hear you. Okay, so it? I'm holding the yeah. book. Thank you, Mun, there in Rochester. I'm holding House Love in my hand, looking at the end of a chapter. Yeah, here is a, a 10-minute cleaning playlist for the bathroom. Upbeat. And then there's a 10-minute cleaning playlist for the bathroom. Mellow. Uh, how do we come about? How does this come about? Um... Ross pulled the music together, but he he knows what I like. <clears throat> we both love sort of peppy dance beats. So the upbeat is always going to have that kind of peppy. I mean, I really love disco. So disco is going to show up over and over. The mellow one was because sometimes in the morning you just can't, you know, I mean, I love Donna Summer, but sometimes, it, you know, when you're doing the bathroom, you just need I'm not to thinking chill. about Donna Summer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just need a little chill. So they're that way. The other thing that you should know about me and Ross is we'd love to laugh. And so there are songs in there that sort of have a um, reference, like, and Ross found the perfect example. Um, there's a Steely Dan song in the laundry room and... The, you know, and the chorus is no static at all, which was hysterical. So those sorts of things pop up. But basically, the music is to have fun. All right. In our last 30 seconds here, Ross, you picked a song from the Pet Shop Boys for us to play as we finish our conversation today. Quickly tell us about it before we play it. Well, you know, uh, I talked to Patrick and I was like, well, tell us, pick the song that they should play us out on. And he picked it because uh, we both love the Pet Shop Boys. It's his favorite Pet Shop Boys song. And... Patrick? Well, you know, we were never being boring. <laughs> because we're never bored. You're never boring. You are not. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed talking with you today. Another fantastic power pair. We've been talking this hour with uh, Ross Rayla, the pop music critic for the Pioneer Press, coming up now on 20 years. Thank you, Ross, for the work you've been doing reviewing concerts for us. And to Patrick Richardson, who we can go visit uh, at Mona Williams at Mall of America, who uh, the store there specializes in vintage designer clothing, also the host of The Laundry Guy, which you can catch. Um, it was one, one season, right, on HGTV, but we can still view those episodes online. Uh, Also the author of Laundry Love and the new book is House Love, a joyful guide to cleaning, organizing and loving the home you're in. Thank you again for being with us. Nice to meet you, Ross and Patrick. And again, a reminder to our listeners, if you're looking for suggestions for power pairs, then uh, for us to interview, go ahead and email me at adavis at npr.org and we'll uplift other couples. This conversation was produced by Maya Backstrom. We'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.